0: This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371.
1: Drew, we're going to talk a little hoops now, man. You know, a year ago, uh, Wes and I were talking about what it looked like on the surface, and you had the transfer portal going nuts, and there were so many ACC basketball players heading out of town. And I remember talking to Wes going, man, I'm kind of worried a little bit about ACC men's basketball because I see a lot of talent going this way. I don't see any talent coming in the other way. Well, that does not seem to be the case a year later. As we talk, uh, take a look at the crystal balling a little bit of the 22-23 season, look at some of the names that are returning for the 22-23 season. Drew, I'm going to tell you right now, I think the league is primed for a major bounce-back season this upcoming year.
2: Totally agree, Pac. Use that NCAA tournament as a springboard when the ACC kind of reminded everyone, hey, you know, we're still the premier basketball conference. We are still the ACC, the league that runs college basketball. Carolina's going to jump out right there, basically aside from Brady Manick. They bring back everyone from that uh, Final Four National Championship game team. Uh, Virginia as well. I think Virginia, in terms of them bringing back, all their starting lineup, that to me is the under-the-radar story where Carolina's going to be one or two in pretty much every preseason national poll. Uh, UVA is the team that us here in the ACC pack, we know uh, that the Who's are going to be back to their previous standard under Tony Bennett. I think they might catch the rest of the country off guard. Uh, but like you said, this is a total 180 from last year. This is the first time since uh, 2018-19 that an all-ACC first teamer is coming back. The sixth man of the year is also coming back. The conference is loaded with talent. After the run they put together in the NCAA tournament last year, this is all good stuff for the ACC.
1: Here's the other thing that I think has gotten lost a little bit. And, and there's a lot of sports fans, college sports fans, that have been turned off by name, image, and likeness. Where you go, oh, this is ridiculous. I can't believe this kid's going to make it. Hey, you know, you get paid what you get paid. That's the way it works. I think name, image, and likeness in some respects, Drew, has been a benefit to that list. You go down that list, like, for example, North Carolina. uh, There's some guys there that could have easily said, hey, you know what, catch you later. I'm going to jump in the deep end of the pool for the NBA draft and see you later. But you know what? You could come back, still enjoy college life, still find a way to get name, image, and likeness, maximize your dollars on that front, enjoy the college life, and oh, by the way, be part of a team that was so close to winning a national championship a year ago and have four or five starters back and go, guess what? We're back, and we're going to be a factor moving forward. I think name, image, likeness is a major player here to see so many guys that did not take the dive into the NBA and said, you know what? College life's okay, man. I I can make this work for at least another year and see where it goes.
2: 100% and think about a guy like Armando Bacot, who is on the record as saying NIL is the reason why he's staying in Chapel Hill for another year. If Baycott is a second round pick, which I think is where he's projected, maybe late first round, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me for a guy who put up a double double basically every night in the ACC. But let's just say he goes in the second round, he can probably make more money in NIL and Chapel Hill than he does as a second rounder or on a two way contract with the NBA G League, which is where a lot of those second round guys end up if they even make it out of training camp in the NBA. Armando Baycott, and, you know, I thought this my entire life as someone who was not good enough at any sport to play in college, let alone at a power five school or a powerhouse like Carolina basketball. I always thought that that's gotta be the best life there is. Even for schmoes like me who don't play a sport in college, undergrads, the best four years of your life. Everybody says that it flies by It flies by for everyone. I would imagine it's especially so for people who run it in Chapel Hill. I mean, Armando Baycott outside of Roy Williams and Michael Jordan right now, might be the most popular dude on Franklin Street. Uh, so that quality of life in Chapel Hill, I mean, plus, we all know this in the ACC, that's one of the greatest places in the world to spend a day, let alone a few years. Uh, so you combine that quality of life with, like you said, Pac, the new opportunities they have in NIL, and even you know guys who aren't at a Carolina or a Duke or maybe a Miami like Isaiah Wong is staying the transfer portal helps in this respect, too. A guy who could go from a group of five school or uh, maybe even a you know a D2 or a D3 school or a JUCO instead of going to the pros where he might have a chance to get drafted if he's a real diamond in the rough, maybe he transfers to a bigger school and we can watch him in college basketball for another year. I think of a guy like Kellen Grady from down in your neck of the woods at Davidson who went to Kentucky instead of uh, trying to go pro right away. NIL and transfer portal, yes. You know some people have rightful gripes about it, but you're right, man. I'm, I think it's good in this respect for college basketball because you've got experienced guys who can come back and make more money here than they do in the NBA.
1: Well, here's the other thing: it's not just a basketball thing. Even though I know that's the topic, I, I go back to here in the ACC. I thought Kenny Pickett became the poster child for a guy that you know what could have gone to the could have gone to the NFL. Uh, probably would not have been a first-round pick. I know he wouldn't have been. Uh, but you know what? Could have probably made a roster, put the baseball hat on backwards, uh, been the second uh, guy on the, on any team on the NFL, and said, you know what? Forget that. I'm going to come back. going to further my education. I'm going to go play. win a championship with the Pitt Panthers. Uh, went on, obviously, as a first-round pick, and life is good. So we have seen it happen in football. I think we're going to see this now happen in basketball. And you mentioned Baycott. You know, just about anybody that follows the NBA draft had him as a second-round pick. Who's to say he doesn't come back and dominate college basketball, and all of a sudden he's a lottery pick next year? Could very well happen. I don't know how all this stuff plays out, but I know this. He's going to enjoy college life. He's going to play on a really good team. Uh, if he stays healthy, he should have a spectacular year, and all that's going to do is increase his value on the next level beginning next season when we start talking about the NBA draft.
2: And, Peck, think about the way last season ended for Baycott, basically hobbling around on one leg in New Orleans as, as Carolina lost that championship to Kansas. If he's fully healthy, who knows? And I'm sure he's thinking that same thing. You know, if the floorboard in NOLA hadn't gone out under his ankle, would Carolina have won the championship? You never know. Um, and, again, I'm sure Baycott is asking those same questions. But if he didn't have these NIL opportunities – maybe it wouldn't be worth it for him to come back and see if, if Carolina can get over that hump. But with those NIL chances, like you said, he was a projected second-round pick. Being the man in Chapel Hill, I mean, this guy can probably make seven figures in NIL money. I'd have to imagine. He, he's a superstar and a celebrity in that region. In a college town like Chapel Hill where they care so much about basketball, someone is going to be lining up to pay that guy a ton of money in NIL. And that's a good thing. It's good for Armando Bacot to be able to capitalize on his brand in Carolina before he heads to the NBA. And and by the way, the guy should be a first-round pick. If you have an elite skill, you're going to stick in the NBA. Remember that guy Reggie Evans who just all he did was rebound? He averaged like 15 boards a game, couldn't score, couldn't pass, couldn't dribble, couldn't do anything else. Armando Bacot can do some of that stuff. But if you average 15 rebounds a game, you'll stick. That's a conversation for another day. We'll get there after next college basketball season. Honestly, though, I'm glad that everyone projected him as a second-round pick because we get to watch him again in the ACC.
1: You're right, and you point out uh, North Carolina and Virginia because they're obvious in terms of the percentage of players coming back. But according to Fox Sports, uh, when it comes to uh, conference Power 5 programs, Boston College, in terms of percentage coming back, They are number five of the power five schools in the country in terms of what is coming back for next season. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that BC is going to be a top ten team. I know they'd hope they'd be. uh, But there are going to be some programs that you're going to start going down the roster as opposed to a year ago and go, man, what's that team going to look like? i got no idea. There are some programs in the ACC where you start looking at returning talent and you go, wow, they got a lot of guys back from a year ago So while we talk about North Carolina, Virginia at the top, do not be surprised if a school like Boston College makes a deep run as far as up the standings of what we expect of ACC basketball for the 22-23 season. It would not surprise me at all.
2: Same here. They made a great run in Brooklyn in the ACC tournament, and I like the contrast between uh, Chapel Hill and Boston here. So Baycott and Love and Davis and those guys are going to probably make million-plus dollars in NIL money. At least one of them will. Because Carolina basketball in Chapel Hill is number one, two, and three. Just ask Brian Ives. I mean, he might give those guys an NIL deal himself, producer extraordinaire here at ACC Network. But in Boston, Boston College hoops is what, seven, eight? I mean, it's after B.C. football. It's probably after B.C. women's lacrosse at this point. And then you think about the big four pro sports teams in Boston. Yeah, it's maybe the best sports town in the country, But when BC's not good, which they really haven't been in hoops for a while, no one really pays attention to Boston College. I think that's going to change. I hope it does. I think it'd be great for the league and great for the sport if BC is good again. And I believe in Earl Grant to get them back there. Uh, But as it currently stands, Makai Ashton-Langford, DeMar Langford, TJ Bickerstaff, these guys aren't making millions in NIL, but they're still coming back which is a testament to the program and the culture that Earl Grant is building there and how much things have changed in Chestnut Hill in only a year under his leadership. And, you know, I think their run in the ACC tournament last year is probably a big reason why BC is able to bring all these guys back, because you could see, I mean, it wasn't just in theory anymore. You could see the future of that program under Earl Grant. With these guys, I'm with you, Pac. I think they're going to be pretty good next year. And it's the same thing where us within the ACC here on ACCN, we talk about this stuff every day. We're expecting a good year for Virginia and Boston College. Everyone in the country expects Carolina to be good. They might not expect Virginia to be back in the top 10 or B.C. to potentially challenge to be in the top 25. We're expecting that. Uh, Because we saw what they did last year and how good those guys are coming back.
1: Yeah, I just feel like as we sit here in the early part of June, I know we're still 80-some-odd days from kicking off the football season. we got the College World Series right around the corner, too. But from a basketball perspective, it seems to me uh, here in early June that we are in a much better position from an ACC perspective than we were a year ago. I, I have higher expectations for ACC men's basketball for 22-23 than I did this time last year where I was actually kind of concerned about, man, where is everybody? Well, I mean, when you start looking at the talent base, what's coming back, uh, the transfer, which was a complete unknown, you really didn't have a feel for it at all. I, I feel much better right now about the ACC than I did a year ago.
2: Yep. I'm in the same boat. I just don't feel very good about Syracuse because we've talked about a lot of teams right now. And, uh, no one knows what's happening up with Jimmy B and the Orange.
1: Well, that, that is solely your responsibility and it's alum, and the guy that just turned <laughs> 25 uh, it gives you something to work on while you get ready for the Super Regionals this week. Uh, when we come back, uh, a special guest. We are literally chasing the cheese. If you don't know the story, you will. At NC State Nation, you got yourself a world champion. We will discuss when we return. Packer and Durham here on ACC Network.
0: The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast.
1: Packer and Durham on a Tuesday. Alright, our next guest uh, just did something that I, if you haven't seen the video, you're going to just shake your head and go, what in the world's going on here? Huh? Well, what, 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 what are you guys doing? Uh, Abby Lampy uh, made history uh, over the weekend where she decided, hey, I see cheese, let's chase it. And she is now the world cheese champion, as far as I'm concerned. First of all, Abby comes to us from beautiful Barcelona, Spain, which is an incredible city. Abby, first of all, congratulations, uh, but have you lost your mind? That would be my first question for you. Have you lost your mind <laughs> deciding to do this? <laughs>
3: I think maybe now I have. My head hurts a little bit two days after the race. But um, going in, I did not. I had a clear mind. Full heart. Couldn't lose.
1: Here we go. Here's the video. And like what in the world? What what makes you say, hey, this is something (laughs) I want to do. Walk me through this one. Uh Uh-oh, we lost Abby. We're getting back. We gotta get Abby. Oh. I can't. I can't wait because every we time gotta I see, get her back. Every time I see the video, I'm like, "Who in the right?" I mean, I don't know how much you have to have to drink to say, "Hey, this is something I want to go do." I know Netflix just did a whole segment on it. They did a whole series. I watched that thing last year. And here it goes again. And Abby, of course, sporting the <laughs> NC State there she goes, <laughs> she's got the lead." Oh, my God. I mean, people are breaking their <laughs> legs and arms and toes and, you know, all for a 20-pound, you know, ball of cheese. I mean, goodness gracious. <laughs> Drew, in your right mind, would you ever A little behind do the
2: this? scenes. <laughs> a little, little behind the scenes for the folks at home, Pac. Producer huh? extraordinaire Casey O'Brien sent us an email yesterday saying, do you guys want to talk to NC State Cheese Girl? No context, nothing. So I Googled NC State Cheese Girl thinking, what is this? A crazy fan eating cheese in the stands? What are we talking about here? When I saw it was this insane run for the roses, but instead of roses, it's cheese. I said, absolutely. Next question. We've got to talk to Abby Lampe. Uh, This is one of the funniest and coolest events. And to have an ACC member win it is great
1: all right i think we got abby back from beautiful barcelona all right so abby before we lost you uh, we saw a video of this and for folks who've seen it for the first time they're probably doing what in the world so what makes you say hey that's something i need to do
3: so i've heard about this competition for uh years ago but this year i knew i was going to be spending the year my summer in europe and i looked at um the date of this cheese race and i it corresponded with the time that i was going to be in europe so um right before spring break i was with my friends at my friend's family's house and i was like okay yeah i'm definitely going to do this and so we watched videos at the dinner table her parents thought i was absolutely crazy and they were so worried that i was going to get hurt but now looking at where i am now (laughs) it's unbelievable i can't believe that Um, I am here and I won. So it's a dream come true, honestly.
2: Abby, did you say you were training for this event? What does training for this entail?
3: So um, days prior before I left, I did go to Dorothea Dix, which is the park right next to NC State, and I rolled down a few hills with my boss right before I left uh, to figure out what style role I should try to aim to do during the race um the race i did not get to utilize that because when you go there's no stopping it i could not control any of my falls (laughs) and i knew my face was eating
1: (laughs) oh my god
3: And and i keep tumbling and i am so disoriented and i'm saying did I win? And the lady comes and rushes the cheese and grabs it and puts it in my hands and says, you won the cheese race. <laughs> so I was I was so floored, I jumped up. And Flo Early, who is a four-time winner, who is the reigning champion, she came and greeted me with the cheese and it was amazing.
1: All right, so, all right, so here's what I want to know. You're calling us or talking to us this morning Uh, Of course, it's the afternoon in Barcelona. You're in Barcelona, Spain. So getting from England to Barcelona, do you just carry the cheese under your arm? You pack it in your bag? You ship it back home? I mean, what do you do with that thing?
3: I shipped it back home. It took about four hours yesterday trying to figure out how I'm going to ship this home. I went to three different post offices before I found the fourth, which would allow me to ship it. They had issues with the weight, and then they had issues with customs. So I went to the last one and they said, yep, we can do this. So I got it sent home. It's probably on route. Mom and dad, you should receive it in about five days.
1: So w- when, when that <laughs> when that thing arrives home, is it like uh, grilled cheese sandwiches for the neighborhood for the next three months? I mean, what are you going to do with that thing?
3: No, so I want to have a, a charcuterie board with my family <laughs> and my sister proposed Maybe we can make this happen, NC State, but it would be really cool to have an NC State event with eight pounds of cheese. Because I, I don't think my family can eat eight pounds of cheese, and I come from a large family.
1: That is so great. I love it.
2: Eight pounds of cheese. Well, I, I mean, i got to go back to the actual race itself because I just want as many excuses as we can find to show this footage again. Abby, take us into your mind in those 15 seconds I mean, this is basically a (laughs) 90-degree incline, and like you said, there's no form involved here. It's just about grit and determination. Can you remember that, or do you just like black out when you're doing it?
3: No, I remember it. I remember the changing of the tree line, um, meaning I was not going straight. I was definitely going diagonal, and I could see some of the crowd getting closer, and I really did not want to hit them. So I think I adjusted myself a little bit somehow um but initially i crouched down and all i remember is seeing the cheese and just going i think i was supposed to wait for four but i didn't hear anything we just went so they one for the cheese, or it's like one for getting ready two being steady three for the cheese and then you go at four
1: you know for the record i I want folks to know that that you have received your degree from nc state with a degree in industrial systems engineering i mean this is not i'm not you know underwater basket weaving you are a really really smart person and i'm sure people are watching it going has abby lost it i mean why would anybody in their right mind try to do such a crazy thing but the fact that you won it and if to my knowledge you're the first american woman to win the event is that correct
3: that is correct so i'm the second american the first american woman
1: wow and then on top of that you got the nc state gear i mean that had to be part of the branding opportunity right that hey i'm coming to england to win the cheese and i'm gonna have my nc state gear for the world to see right
3: oh absolutely i had planned this this was premeditated i knew exactly what i was going to be wearing i brought my volleyball and basketball knee pads to um help me You can kind of see it in the picture, my knee pads um, (laughs) on my elbow there. But I wanted to protect myself. (laughs) Um, And I wanted to rep NC State because I don't think any other college was going to be able to do that.
1: (laughs) All right, so I'm going to ask you a dumber question. Uh, Do we plan on defending the Cheese Championship in 23?
3: We'll see. I'll see if my job uh, will allow me a few days off.
1: I mean, God, it would seem like to me. Yeah, I mean, it would seem like. Yeah, I mean, you come walking there with uh, 35 pounds of cheese under your arm. You say, "Hey, listen, uh, this (laughs) week I got to make a road trip to England." Uh, It seems to me that you got to be the defender. You got to come back for more.
3: Yeah, we'll see. I, I think I might want to visit again, but I don't know if I'll participate again. Um, Hopefully, if my job will allow. I'll think about it.
1: <laughs> By the way, for folks uh, you mentioned you're going to spend some time in Europe and I just got back from Italy and you're in Barcelona which is an inc- like I told you is an incredible city, fantastic. What is it that you're going to do for a living?
3: So, I am going to be a tech consultant for Pricewaterhouse. Nice. In the yeah. cloud I think what? that's the tide. Well,
1: I just, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for your time, because I know you're having fun in Europe, as you should be. uh, But it's a crazy, wild story. We appreciate you spending some time with us today.
3: Of course. Thank you so much for having me on the show.
1: You got it. Best of luck to you. Enjoy uh, Barcelona. Take care of yourself.
3: Thank you. You too.
1: You got it. Abby Lampy. What a story that is. Drew, seriously. You know
2: the NCAA. (laughs) The NCAA doesn't sponsor that event because they allowed NC State to win it.
1: Oh, 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 oh. You're going to go there. Seriously, you're going to go there. Uh, But, you know, I saw that Netflix documentary, and it is nuts what people do. I mean, and the fact that, I mean, people break arms, legs. I mean, you can imagine. And and I was reading about Abby, and she said, well, I might have cut a little tooth. I had some mud in my face and my mouth. And other than that, she felt pretty good. But, I mean, it's just nuts. But that's a cool story. So I want to give that to you here this morning. Quick break when we come back. Lance Taylor going to talk a little Louisville football. That's it. All that coming up next. Packer and Durham. I got Drew Carter filling in for Wes. We got us right here on ACC
0: Network. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham.
1: Packer and Durham on a Tuesday. Drew Carter filling in for Wes. Appreciate again Abby Lampy, who's in Barcelona, Spain, fresh off of tumbling down a cliff to get some cheese, winning the uh, championship. Still a crazy story. She also participated in the uh, Krispy Kreme Challenge. And uh, folks in Raleigh, North Carolina know all about that. Uh, But man alive, what what a crazy story that is. But uh, that was cool. I enjoyed talking to her.
2: Me too, Pac. That's one of the coolest events in sports. I'm going to say it, sports. That's a sporting event out in England, uh, chasing the cheese down the hill. 15 seconds on the timer. My biggest takeaway, though, Pac, from that interview, is Abby basically admitted to cheating. She basically said she had a false start. She said she saw the cheese and she just went. She didn't wait for the number four. She just went, which you have to respect the game. If they're going to allow you to do that, if they're going to let you get away with a false start, you got to do it. That's smart. That's NC State thinking right there.
1: You know what? I, it's not cheating. It's like racing, man. It's like uh, NASCAR. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. You know, you, you want to get a little edge? Four, three, two, boom. I'm going on two. What are you going to do? Stop us, make us walk back up the hill and start again? No. I mean, once you get going, going downward, brother, it's it's all she wrote. Gravity's taking over. But, you know, the other thing, we got, the angle of that shot on that video you realize the speed that people are going down the hill. It's one thing to do a tumble. Like, okay, I'm going to go practice. I'm going to, go, I'm, I'm going to roll down the driveway a little bit. Okay, that's fine. Hey, when it's an 85-degree angle and you start rolling, brother, it's on. It's go time. So, I, you know, the fact that she was hesitant about defending the championship, I don't blame her. That goes to show you that she's a smart lady. She figures it out. She's like, hey, you know, I got the belt. You know what? I don't know if I need two of these. We'll see.
2: One for one is good. Maintain that 1,000 winning percentage. Uh, she also said no major injuries. Might have popped a couple of blood vessels in my hand. What? No major injuries? That sounds pretty major to me. I'd be on the 60-day IL if I popped a couple uh, blood vessels in my hand. No, thank you.
1: Crazy. And the fact that, can you imagine going to the UPS store? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to ship this 20-pound uh, thing of <laughs> cheese back home and uh you, 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 Imagine
2: you, their reactions behind the desk.
1: You know, schlepping at the thing of cheese around Europe would not be a great deal of fun. I, I got done doing that for about two weeks, schlepping bags of uh, Golden Goose shoes and everything else. It'd be another thing to have a 20 pounds of uh, cheese in your back pocket, uh, zipping around 95 degree temperature. So, nevertheless, all right, we switch gears. We're going to go to Louisville. Uh, a couple times before the show ends. And we're going to talk baseball, but now we're going to talk a little football. And Lance Taylor joins us, the new offensive coordinator for Coach Satterfield. Coach, first of all, welcome to the show. Hope life's treating you well.
0: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: Always a pleasure. Uh, Boy, the anticipation for Louisville football in 22 has got to be through the roof. I mean, you start going down the list of what you've got coming back from an offensive standpoint, there's a lot to like.
0: Yeah, I tell you, there's a lot of excitement right now um, just around our program, Uh, everything that Coach Satterfield has done. You know, one of the reasons I was very excited when he called me with the opportunity to take the uh, position as offensive coordinator here. I think he's done a great job uh, building a foundation, building a great culture. He's done a really nice job recruiting. And then when you look at the offensive production and the guys that we have coming back from a leadership standpoint and have played in a lot of ACC games, we're really excited about um, this next season.
2: LT, well, you've got continuity on the field. Malik Cunningham is back for, I think, year eight or nine in Derby City. <laughs> uh, but with you at the helm calling the plays now, uh, how is it going to look different in 2022?
0: Yeah, well, you know, I'm really excited about Malik. Uh, One thing, you know, um, he and I joke all the time. He's from Alabama. I'm from Alabama, Montgomery guy, so we always talk about being Bama boys together. But um, I thought he took a ton of um, strides in the right direction this spring. He's obviously a really talented player, dynamic with the football in his hands, whether it's run or pass. Uh, But just from a leadership standpoint, all the games that he has played in, um, all the experience that he brings and the wealth of knowledge that he brings uh, But I was really excited coming out of spring ball <clears throat> with the things that we challenged him with and then Offensively, they've done a great job coach Satterfield's an offensive mind um, He's been calling the place here. We're not going to change anything systematically We're only going to continue to add and enhance to what they've already done. You know, they've been in the top 30 each of the three years that, um, you know, Coach Satterfield a, a, has been here and, and, you know, taken over this program. And so they've done a really nice job offensively. We just want to continue to enhance, build on what they've done and take this thing to the next level. Coach, you come
1: from Notre Dame, you had a chance to see Louisville the last couple of years. Uh, anything pop off the page before you even showed up?
0: Yeah, I tell you, they gave us all we could handle when they came to South Bend. Um, they did an excellent job from an offensive and defensive standpoint. Um, they really stymied our offense, low-scoring game. Um, they had a chance there in the fourth quarter to, to beat us. And one of the things that, that's always stood out to me about Coach Satterfield, coach teams, um, they're well-disciplined, they're not going to beat themselves, um, and, and they're tough.
2: And I got a chance, Coach, to do your spring game back in April. And uh, when we talked about it before, going back to Malik, one of the things that stood out about what you told us to me was Malik actually reached out to you when you got the job instead of the other way around, which I feel like is what most people expect from a coach-player relationship. Uh, What's his buy-in been like this this offseason?
0: Yeah, it was awesome to have Malik reach out to me. I mean, as soon as the news broke, uh, before I could even reach out to him, he reached out to me, which was which was great. Uh, when you're starting quarterback and leader of your offense and one of the top leaders of your team, uh, one of your captains reaches out to you. I mean, uh, it, it makes you feel wanted and welcome. And hey, he's really eager, and that's what I saw during spring. Uh, during spring practice, he is very eager. And I think he came back for his fifth year for a reason. And that's one of the things that, one of the first times that we got to sit down in person and talk, I told him, this is a contract year for you. You came back so that one, you could help elevate this program and continue to see the success on the field that you laid the foundation and built. Uh, but also to help your draft status and stock uh, when it comes draft time ne- next year and the NFL evaluators uh, turn on this, this year's tape. And so uh, for him to be that eager, uh, it's carried over in spring practice and even in the summer workouts. I mean, we just started, uh, but he came in uh, guns a blazing this summer, ready to attack the summer and get better.
1: You know, when you're at Notre Dame, you're the run game coordinator, and it all starts with great guys up front. What do you got up front, Louisville-style Because every time I talk to Coach Satterfield, he has a smile on his face about that offensive line.
0: Yeah, I am really, really excited about this group up front. I mean, when I took the job coming from Notre Dame, having been at Stanford and also in the NFL, I mean, I've been around some great offensive linemen, some great offensive line play. But I tell you what, this is going to be our bread and butter. Um, We've got great leadership up front. We've got veteran presence. We've got really good players up front. I mean, we have a deep, talented, physical offensive line that really is the backbone and and core of what we want to do because we know it all starts up front. I mean, honestly, whether it's offensively, defensively, I mean, the game is won or lost in the trenches, and that's where I think that we're blessed to have such a great offensive line, uh, have such great leadership up front, Um, and it's not all on the shoulders of of Malik. Um, He knows that he's got great protectors, and and we can also run the football, uh, but he's going to be protected with those guys up front.
2: And tell us about the guys running behind that offensive line, because we're expecting three, four dudes to rotate into in that backfield, your run game guy from your time in South Bend, what can we expect from the Louisville running backs this year?:
0: Yeah, I think we've got a deep talented group. I think all those guys can come in and, and each of them give us a little bit something different, which is unique and, and really a, a luxury. They're not all the same mold. And so uh, for me, being a run game guy, having coached um, running backs before, Coach Darrell Sims does an unbelievable job with our, with our running backs. Um, and, and, and honestly, uh, those are great problems to have in terms of finding different ways to get those guys mixed in the game and finding different ways to get those guys the football. And I'm excited about that group. Group, I'm excited about our receiver group. I think that we've also got a talented receiver group that, you know, really is coming together and gelled over spring practice. And uh, I think, I think a uh, little bit unproven uh, or inexperienced, but from what I saw in the spring, really excited about all of our skill guys. Um, and you can include the tight end group in, in, in that uh, conversation with Marshawn Ford, who's led our team in receptions last year. Uh, dynamic player at the tight end position for us. So, you know, when you talk about running backs. Receivers, tight ends, our skill positions. Um, I came out of spring uh, really smiling about those positions as well.
1: Coach, I know you're not going to worry about my next question, but I'm going to pose it to you anyhow, because I mentioned this to Coach Satterfield last time we had him. But a lot of projections of the Atlantic division, which I think is going to be as good a division as we see in college football as far as sneaky good. Because we know NC State's got a ton of preseason top 10 love. Wake Forest, same thing. They won the division last year. Oh, by the way, this group at Clemson, they're still really talented. They're going to get a lot of preseason top 10 love. It seems like Louisville and the Florida States, the Boston Colleges, and the Syracuses are kind of flying underneath the radar a little bit. Do you you like being in a role like that? Because, hey, you're going to get all these NC State, Wake Forest, Clemson love in the Atlantic Division. Or do you like the fact that, hey, guess what, boys? Y'all go ahead and sleep on us because we can't wait to punch you in the nose when we see you this fall.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things that Coach Satterfield always talks about is not listening to outside noise, distractions, what other people think or say about you, really putting our head down, putting our eyes on our goal and goals, um, and, and just going to work, coming to work every single day and just getting a little bit better. And that's one of the things that I've challenged our offense with. Don't worry about – Uh, things that we can't control, let's control the controllables, which is our attitude, our preparation, and our effort, how we come to work every single day, and let's just find a way to get better. And uh, honestly, that'll be decided on Saturdays in the fall. And so uh, I'm excited about this season. I'm excited about our group. I think the ACC is wide open from a competitive standpoint, and I think... You know, one of the reasons why I was excited about taking this job is is I think the Louisville program is really ready to take that next step and next jump and uh, some really exciting things going on around our program, also just around our university. You know, Josh Hurd just being named, you know, our athletic director. Um, you know, he's been an integral part and really love what he's done. He's given us the resources to be successful. Uh, On and off the field and then our baseball team had an exciting regional uh, this this weekend and I was there watching them and cheering them on and and, uh, we'll be cheering them on for the Supers.
2: That's a perfect segue to my next question coach which is are you becoming a Louisville guy now like are you drinking a lot of bourbon you're listening to Jack Harlow like are you fully ingrained in the city are you Luke Hancock levels of Louisville right now? (laughs)
0: Well, I, look, I'm just learning, okay? I'm, I'm at the beginner stages. Um, you know, I, I've dabbled in a little bit of each of those things that you just talked about. Um, I'm, I'm learning about Jack Harlow. The guys have have, have taught me a little bit. They, they put it on my playlist. Uh, but, no, I tell you what, Louisville is a great city. Um, they are excited. <clears throat> um, there's a great fan base. They are bought into what we're doing. They want a winner. They want us great product on the field i um, mean that's what we're going to give them this uh, the, uh this season on saturdays and so uh everybody in louisville has been great um and that's what makes a place special is really the people and that's what i've seen here is is it's really special people who care about the program they love what we do they're invested in what we do and they want to see us have success on saturdays
1: and by the way lance uh I, I haven't done this on the bucket list it's on my to-do list but what'd you do for the derby this year
0: well, I was at the Derby, uh, front and center. I tell you, it was on my bucket list as well. One of those uh, sporting events that that you know you get to watch and you grow up loving, and you see on TV and say, "Man, that that is a really cool experience." Um, got to experience Augusta National last year at the Masters, um, and same thing with um, the Derby this year. You, it, it is so special in person. You can't even put it into words. And so, if you guys haven't uh, experienced that, you have to come. Uh, come join me next year. I'll, I'll be there again. But it was a great experience.
1: Uh, you better be careful. Let me tell you something. I'm knocking on your front door for that derby thing next year. And after watching that, long I, I mean sh- hey, let me tell you now. After watching that long shot win, uh, it, it's another reminder of why you work hard, right? And you know what? All those preseason nonsense. Ed, that doesn't mean squat. Let's go tee
0: it up and see where it goes. Absolutely. That's a great example of why we all love sports.
1: You got it. Listen, we look forward to having you back. Tell Coach we said hello, and I appreciate you making the time for us this morning.
0: Thanks for having me, guys. Go Cards. You got it. Here he
1: is, Lance Taylor, new man in town, taking care of business. That Louisville football team is going to be good. Now, I'm just telling you, the ACC Atlantic Division in particular will not get the national love by the pundits because everybody's using the low-hanging fruit odds, Clemson, everybody else. But I'm telling you, Clemson, NC State, Wake Forest are all preseason top 15 teams. Louisville is going to be dangerous. Boston College is going to be dangerous. Florida State's going to be a lot better. And your boys there at Syracuse can still cause a problem. I think the Atlantic Division, the ACC, is going to be really, really good.
2: I'm drinking the Kool-Aid pack. Uh, Doing the Louisville spring game, obviously they won. Everyone's undefeated at this point. But, man, I was super impressed, especially talking to that guy. When we got a chance to sit down with him for our meeting with the, the broadcast team, I walked out of there thinking, what's the over-under for when that dude's going to be a head coach? He's obviously super invested in Louisville, and you leave South Bend to take a job, you're probably there for the long haul. But whenever Lance Taylor wants to be a head coach, he's going to have that opportunity. He just He exudes that aura. I think. He's also a great follow on Twitter, so check that out.
1: You got that right. When we come back, guess what? We head to Bristol with the smart people. A little true and false. All that's coming your way, too. We'll take more phone calls at 844-SAY-ACCN. Cameron Masterman is going to join us, too, in hour number three. He went yard yesterday as Louisville eliminated Michigan and punched their ticket to the Super Regional. All that coming up next. Packer and Durham on ACC Network.
0: The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Andrew. Drew
1: Carter filling in for West. Thanks again to Lance Taylor of uh, Louisville. We got sirens going off. Everything okay up there, Carter? We good? Huh?
2: Oh, oh you can still hear those? Yeah, I'm not in seedy uptown Charlotte, <laughs> but I am in seedy downtown Hartford, Connecticut. So I don't know what's uh, happening outside at 850 Eastern, but something's going on.
1: The apartment's not on fire, is it? Just asking. Just asking.
2: I don't think so. I don't think so. But if the fire alarm goes off, I promise you, I'm not leaving this apartment. Not another false alarm.
1: Not again. Team player. All right. uh, We head to Bristol, Connecticut. Uh, Ms. Casey's running the show along with uh, Brooks and everybody else. Look Look at the look we got going on up there at Bristol. Holy mackerel. It's time for a little true or false. What's going on in Bristol?
4: Yeah, so we have a little fun game of True or False today, but Super Regionals edition, so it's very baseball-specific to go right. with your favorite tournament pack.
1: All right, I like it. True.
4: All right, so we're going to start with what I think is the hardest question. All right, every ACC baseball team, so true or false, every ACC baseball team will win at least one game in their Super Regional.
1: True. true. Absolutely true. I have confidence in this one. True. True.
2: go true as well. I'll hop on the bandwagon. A couple teams in the Super Regionals. We would have liked to see a couple more move on to the Supers, but I like it. I'm going true as well, Pac.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest test will be Notre Dame, obviously, on the road at number one, Tennessee. But their pitching was so good. I know it's a tiny little ballpark. They've got Knoxville. That's a great baseball team. Uh, The Balls have been the number one team all season long. Uh, That, to me, would be the biggest test of the four ACC teams moving forward. But can everybody win at least one? Yeah, I I, I would say not only is that true, but I expect that to be true. So we'll see where that goes. All right, question number two.
4: All right, question number two. So Virginia Tech in their regional games, they scored 46 runs. True. So true, so true or false, Virginia Tech will score more than 20 runs in their super regional.
1: Uh, well, let's see. Best of three. You, you sweep, that's two games. That's 10 apiece. I think the quality of the opposition is better in the next round, so I will go false, but it still doesn't mean you can't win games, but I'm going to go false.
2: I will go true then just to play the contrarian to pack. but I do like a sweep for the Hokies over Boomer Sooner. This is a little revenge, potentially, for 2013. You might remember Virginia Tech. This was the last time they were in the dance. Oklahoma eliminated them. And then right after that, Pete Hughes, the head coach of the Hokies, moved on to Norman. So if you can't beat them, join them. Um, And I think this will be a little revenge series for Virginia Tech. So I'll go true 20-plus runs in a two-game sweep.
1: Two-game sweep. All right. I, I tell you what. Can you imagine uh, Hokie Nation going to Omaha, Nebraska? Huh? I mean, uh, Virginia Tech fans will travel. Uh, and, man, alive. Again, if you've never, ever been to Omaha, put it on your list. And if you're an ACC team, I know North Carolina's been out there. Louisville's done their thing there. Notre Dame would love to get there. Virginia Tech, first time ever hosting a Super Regional. If they can pull that bad boy off this weekend, Man, grab your tickets because you are in for a trip of a lifetime. All right, Casey, next question.
4: All right, so we saw Louisville score 11 runs in their win last night against Michigan. They've scored 10 runs in back-to-back regional games. They're about to take on A&M. But true or false, Louisville will score 10 runs in, for their third straight game.
1: False. False. The same, for the same exact reason I said false with Virginia Tech, I just think the level of competition – Takes a step up. Right? And of course, Virginia Tech will be taking on Oklahoma who's the number nine overall seed. Louisville will be taking on AM, who's the number five overall seed. I think the pitching will be better. The stakes will be higher. So I don't expect craziness in terms of numbers. Just my opinion.
2: I'll go true. I think uh, the nerves are gonna be high for both teams in the first game of all these super regionals, especially one like this where you got Two seeded teams who have moved on. Uh, And maybe that, you know, everyone gets a little tight. Maybe you got the pitches sailing a little bit. The strike zone expands. You got guys on base. Louisville, we know what they can do with clutch hitting. It doesn't really translate, I don't think, game over game. I can be a little random, but I do like these Cardinals to put up double figures again, game one, college station.
1: I know this much. Louisville would love that two out mojo thing that they had going on yesterday afternoon. All 11 runs scored with two outs. That is winning baseball. All right, next question.
4: Yeah, I should have had that as the question. Louisville score all their runs with two outs. That was false.
1: That would be false.
4: <laughs> all right, so next question. So we saw the Tar Heels hit multiple home runs in back to back games during their regional. True or false, North Carolina will hit more than one home run in every super regional game they play.
1: True. True. I, I got nine Same innings. Yeah, I got, I got nine innings to figure this one out. Yeah, I, I think you can definitely go at least one homer in every game. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Vance Honeycomb might do this alone. He might hit multiple bombs in every super regional game me so ready. these boys are swinging the lumber real well right now I, I think maybe the hottest offensive team in the country you look at what they did in that chapel hill regional pack 19 runs against vcu in a must-win game to set up the game seven and then they win seven three yesterday impressive that they can win in multiple ways but they're most comfortable just mashing so give me true for this they're hitting multiple dingers and everyone
1: Tell you what I liked yesterday, in particular, you had you know, two loser-leave town matches. And Louisville puts a seven spot up in the first. North Carolina put a four spot up in the first. I mean, that's how you set the tone in a loser-leave town match. That, hey, guess what? We're going to jump you from the start and see if you like it. And, again, yesterday was a good day for the Atlantic Coast Conference in Baseball with both Louisville and North Carolina punching their ticket to the Super Regionals joining Notre Dame and Virginia Tech. So, Casey, I don't know if you have any more questions or not.
4: I have one more question. We can't right. leave out Notre Dame. Okay. So, in their regional, Notre Dame held their opponents to seven runs, but in the Super Regional, they'll be taking on Tennessee, and Tennessee did not score less than nine runs in their regional. So, true or false, Notre Dame will allow less than seven runs during Super Regionals.
1: Nope. False. False.
2: Yeah. I'm with you. That That is false. That Tennessee team, I think they were scoreless against Georgia Tech through – What, five or six innings against Zach Maxwell? What a performance by him. If anyone's going to get a Jerry West award for MVP and a loss, it'd be Zach Maxwell for Georgia Tech. But that that Tennessee team is just too dangerous, Uh, leading the country in home runs and scoring offense and ERA. But for the purposes of this question, the offense is too good for Tennessee. I still think Notre Dame will take one, maybe two, maybe move on to Omaha, but not going to hold that Tennessee offense silent.
1: Yeah, and I mentioned this yesterday. Only 32 runs were scored in the six games in the regional that Notre Dame ended up sweeping, uh, which was really contrary to everything that you saw with baseball because everybody was raking and scoring runs in droves. Uh, Tennessee's going to score and they're going to score a bunch. Notre Dame's going to have to match it some shape, way, or form. Again, I think they've got the biggest challenge heading into the Super Regional, having to go to Knoxville. But, again, four ACC teams still alive and kicking, and uh, we'll cover all that coming up as the week goes on. All right, Hour 2 is in the books. When we come back, we'll talk a little more baseball as well. I mentioned a Cameron Masterman from uh, Louisville, and there he goes, yard, and that was in the eighth inning with a card scored four. We'll get in all that stuff. Set the table of a big baseball week coming up in the ACC. It's Packer and Durham. Drew filling in for Wes. You guys right here on ACC Network. Packer and Durham.